Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Okay, here I go. Underwear with the crutch cut out, the butt cut out. Yep, that's right. I'm going there. Hang in there. Daily Jocks. Yeah, that's right. Daily Jocks is an underwear and let's call it lifestyle brand started in 2010 by Nick Egonidis. What started as a Facebook community page is now an all-inclusive apparel brand that also entertains people's kinks. Daily Jocks has recently undergone a bit of soul-searching, so so often as proprietors, we think we know what the best direction for our business is. And as it turns out, sometimes your customers know much better than you do where the business needs to go. After targeting a predominantly gay male, Daily Jocks is expanding its offering toward all members of the LGBTQIA plus community, otherwise known as a queer community. You've got to move to the market. Don't stuff around. But what's the risk? Nick and I chat about a business's social responsibility, what's the cost that comes with that, and why there are diminishing returns on working too hard, something that is rarely spoken about. So let's get into it. Nick Egonidis, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you. A it's nice Greek name, Egonidis. Greek name. It's not going to be Egonidis, it's uh, in Greek, Egonidis. Egonidis. Yeah, yeah, sort of not, not a heavy G. No, it's not. Are you Sydney-based? No, I live in Melbourne. You're from Melbourne, right? Yes. There's a big Greek community down there. There's a lot there. Where, where's your dad or mum from? Obviously, um, dad's My mum's Australian-born and my dad is from the north of Greece, so north, like near Thessaloniki. Oh, Thessaloniki, okay, mm. cool. So you're a, you're a first generation to him anyway? Yes. Okay. And uh, that's not an unusual thing down in Melbourne. No, there's a lot of us. <laughs> so- Give me a little bit of background about you. So where did you grow up, go to school, brothers and sisters, blah, the whole thing. What yeah, did that sure. do? Um, yeah, look, my parents, typical migrant story, they had their own business. So they had like a cafe and restaurant. Uh, so my sister and I, we worked in the business uh, since we were kids. Um, just, just can I stop there? What is that? You t- like we, you and I say that like it's just normal. Um, yeah. But a lot, to a lot of people that's not normal. Um Culturally, yeah. How how's that all work? Like you're eight year old, ten year old, you're picking up stuff from the pretty much. Tables. Like my parents always had like a seven day a week business, so it was pretty intense. So like, you know, if you weren't being looked after by grandparents, like you'd be with your own parents. So, and then when you get old enough, you can work in a shop. You can you know help them out. Like it's it's literally helping the family unit. Um, you know, do business. So you know you you live from that business. Um, and I guess with my parents, they had the same business for like 20 years. So the customers actually love to see the family working yeah, yeah. in there because they see you growing up in the business as well. Um, and then I guess, yeah, building those like personal relationships as well with locals uh, sort of become part of the community. So, um, and I guess from the parental side, it's like almost free labor. <laughs> like yeah, you've yeah. got someone that can help in the family, but also someone that understands how it all works as well. Did you begrudgingly do it or did you do it? Did you enjoy it? Like some kids I've seen in those cafe environments, uh, as I've grew up in that environment yeah. myself, they fucking love it. Like it's so good. They get so excited and others go, oh, shit, I don't really want to do this. So to be honest, like I feel like I did my time in hospitality. Like it's really not easy. But at the same time, like I, I love parts of it. Like when I was old enough, that was that was my job. Like I was paid for that. Um, so like I did enjoy the flexibility. I I never sort of 
had dreams of being in like a corporate environment. So I actually, I liked that sort of day-to-day um, side of things where you're doing something different all the time, like and you're chatting to people, you're, you know, doing different kinds of work as well. Um, and you're learning things. So with hindsight, I realized I actually learned a lot. Um, you know, like what? Um, just basic skills, you know, running a business, you need to make a profit, controlling costs, um, marketing, like you learn the basics for that business. Um, and then when you get older, you realize how you can apply that to other parts of your life. Um, it gives you structure as well. I think there's a lot of like benefits. Um, you learn hard work. Uh, you definitely learn hard work. Um, so then you know how maybe you don't want to do things going forward as well. You learn stress as well. You learn stress. For me, I actually learned what I wanted from a business. So my family always said, do not have your own business. You know, just go to school, go to uni, get educated. We're working for you. So you don't have to. Um, but you know, I actually, I, I actually found a passion in business. I actually loved the idea of owning a business. And so I guess, um, you know, starting to go into that, like realizing that for me, a business shouldn't be how my parents had it, where, you know, you work seven days a week. For me, a business should give you some freedom or, you know, you're taking on that stress for a payoff. So hopefully to earn more money or to, to build something uh, different. Um, so for me, the second I got into business, I'm like, okay, I don't want this to control my life as it, as it did for my parents. I wanted to set things up so I could actually um, have a business that gives me the freedom to do the things that I want to do. That's interesting. It's, so it's um, you try to extract out of that that whole being business type environment, which you know, typical migrants do. Um, you try to extract from that in your parents' case, and it happened in my parents' case too. Being like selfless and working seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days a year, never taking a holiday. And it's nearly like martyrdom in some sense. Yeah. Like it's, you know, they're on a mission to um, never take a break yeah. and see if they can fucking kill themselves. Yeah, and that's that's so bad. Like now you see that, like, you know, my parents worked hard all their lives and like now they're paying for it. Like their bodies are like not great. Like so for me, my priority is actually taking care of me as a person, you know, mentally, physically. Like if I'm not at my best, I can't do my best. So – at what point did you decide, okay, I'm not going to work in this cafe anymore. I'm yeah. going to go off and do my own thing. And what yeah. did you do? What did you do? Yeah, literally like I, well, I was there for most of the time. Um, and then while I was at uni, I thought- Oh, you went to uni? I did. I started a couple of degrees. Yeah, yeah I actually, I, I got into some really great courses. But for me, I, I just couldn't, um, I would learn more through experience than through studying. Like I'm not going to be a doctor. So I feel like I didn't need- to have a degree to do what I wanted to do. But at the same time, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do. So, you know, I dabbled in things. So like I worked in like a hotel, I worked at a, a, a wine store. Like I, I learned different sides of myself and what I wanted. And then I guess my first kind of business that I started was like an importing business. So I was uh, importing like cosmetics and and teeth whitening products and, and supplying stores and pharmacies. So I, I learned how to import products, which something like they didn't teach you that at, at, during my course. Like, and so I just had to learn. Um, and then I, I was in my early twenties and then I realized like this Facebook was new. So I'm like, okay, let, let's see what's on here. I'm, I had an interest in like, I don't know, like I liked fashion. Like I liked sort of that whole space of like men's undies, like, but in a fashion sense or yeah, like I would like wearing Calvin Klein undies, but being my early twenties, I couldn't afford like 50 bucks for a pair of Calvin Klein. So I'd jump online and you'd see them in America, like on a big retailer there for like $12. And I couldn't understand why there was such a price discrepancy within Australia, um, for Calvin Klein undies. And so like I started a Facebook page, um, when Facebook was new just to let people know where to buy cheap undies. Uh, does that mean you're buying them out of the US and selling? Or, or no, no, I wasn't selling You're them. just directing them to yeah, where you found them. Yeah, it was like almost like a blog, really, um, just to tell people where to buy cheap why? undies. Why? Why are you telling people? Well, I don't understand that. So Because I felt like if I was like that, like I couldn't understand why it was um, so expensive in Australia compared to America. So I thought, well, I'm just going to let people know where to buy cheap undies from. And there was like thousands of people every day also like that concept. 
So essentially when Facebook was new, there was no sort of, I, I think I started a Facebook page before like most of the actual brands in my category had a Facebook page because I could see how it was working. I was like, wow, like thousands of people follow you. And then when you do a post, like thousands of people click on it, like it actually was having an impact in terms of like a financial impact. So when I would post um, a link to a store, they would get like thousands of dollars in sales, like within an hour. In the US, for example. That's right. Yeah. And so they started noticing me. So they're like, okay. The stores did? Yeah, the stores yeah, yeah. and the brands. So, uh, you know, they would send a message through Facebook to say, hey, we want to be on your page. Like, and for me, it wasn't just about getting free undies. I actually wanted to make this a business. I'd be like, okay, this, this is how much it's going to cost. This is the package that you'll get. So essentially I was selling advertising. So um, you were a publisher? Pretty much yeah. immediately. Like yeah. it was um, before they had any sort of uh, rules around that anyway. And uh, yeah, that kind of worked. Like like literally, I think now there's maybe 600,000 people follow my store, Daily Jocks. But when it started, it was literally a, a page to let them know where to buy brands of undies uh, for men because men are usually underserviced. So that was the other point of difference was that everyone targets women, but no one really targets the men. And like the men have their own needs as well. And so I felt like presenting them the right uh, product, they'll buy it. So that's sort of back a while ago, I guess men are probably better serviced in terms of where they can buy the stuff now. Yeah, definitely. Like but, but back then, Anton, you saw a Calvin Klein was just an ad up a billboard somewhere. That's yeah, exactly at, right. Like in Sydney at least. And you see a billboard and you think, well, where the fuck do you buy those from? I don't- online shopping wasn't that huge then. Like it was definitely no. possible, but not so much for international. Like shipping was always really expensive. Um, there was local players as well, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a, a, how it is now, that's for sure. So how did all this morph into the Daily Jocks then? Yeah, so look, after- selling advertising for a few years. So I was like, okay, I was reaching that stage where I felt like I needed to make some more money from this. I had a pretty big database at the time. I might've had a hundred thousand people on my mailing list. Um, a website that was getting thousands of visitors every day. You had a website as well. That's right. Yeah. So I started a, so Facebook had changed the rules and said, okay, if you have a Facebook page, you need to have your own website. So I started my website, which was a blog, um, literally just to repost what I was posting on Facebook. And then I actually saw the power of the Facebook traffic where I would do a post and within an hour, 10,000 people have clicked on that post. And so because I was directing them to my website, I could see all the analytics for that. And I loved analytics. I loved analyzing data and seeing what people are doing. Um, and also, you know, driving them to join my mailing list. Cause I felt like from the start, like, this is too good to be true that this is going to just be around forever of free traffic from Facebook, um, which was the case. Obviously, it didn't last forever. But for me, I'd actually built up a really big mailing list uh, during that time. So um, after a few years of, of selling advertising, I um, wanted to do retail, but retail wasn't really my passion at the time. I didn't want to be sending orders out and customer service and things like that. So I did a survey to my customers because I had an idea for a concept of an underwear club. So basically you would sign up and we'd ship you out new undies every month. And from that research, like I learned what brands people liked, how often they wanted to receive them, how much they're willing to pay. And so my first month I thought, let me try this subscription product. And I got 2000 people paying in the first month. So that was pretty significant for so me. So you stop at this. <laughs> the 2000 people in the first month paying or subscribing yeah. to a service of what was a service like shipping undies out to them every month? New underwear every month. Every month. We'll choose for you. You just tell us your size yeah. and your style preference. It's like a lucky dip, you know, like. Pretty much, you know, yeah. You trust us. We'll, yeah. We'll these, send are the, us. these are the brands that we work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, they know the caliber of, of brands. And so for us, it was just to find out their size. Do they want a brief or a trunk or a box of brief? And we'll ship it out according to their preference. So we were one of the first to do that for men's undies. That's mad. Yeah. And, uh, and what did you call this club? It was just called the Underwear Club. Yeah, it was yeah, called the Underwear Daily Club. Daily Jocks Underwear Club. <laughs> wow. And then, it's, and then because like whenever you um, build a subscription base and then yeah. whenever you build – a publishing base, which you had, yep. and then you can get advertising dollars, obviously, because yep. you've got an audience. The compulsion always seems to be 
well, the, the next stage, the compelling part of the next stage is I've got to get a product. Yeah. I've got to get a product. Mm. I've, got, I've got to sell a product. Yes. You're not quite at the product yet because you, at this stage, your underwear club yes. is selling other people's That's right. brand. Yes. So when did you get to the point where you felt as though I've got to get myself my own product? My own product probably came uh, five or six years ago. So for us, by that stage, I already had a store. I had to, uh, yeah, I had a store. I had an online store and a physical store. So w- why did you do that? No, what? Um, well, it sort of just happened. So when I was looking for new warehousing um, in Paran in Melbourne, uh, the space that I found actually fronted High Street, which was close to Chapel Street. So it actually had like shop space. Like I had a retail side, but it was a big warehouse. So it used to be a furniture store. So I thought, you know what, like this could be good to have like a small retail outlet just to see if local people want to shop from us, we can, you know, show them what we've got. By by that stage, it was more than underwear. We had swimwear and sportswear as well. And so I always was attracted to physical retail. I love going to a real shop. I love touching things. I love trying things on. I like browsing. I like seeing how stores present the whole retail experience. So for me, I felt like, okay, I can, I can give my customers this experience in a real world environment that no one else is doing. Because as I said before, men are often underserviced, um, even in retail settings as well. And for me, because I didn't rely on the store, online was you know, 100% of my revenue at the time. The store was a bonus. That's, that's how I saw it. And so yeah, I opened the store in, in Melbourne, I think maybe six years ago. And it was, but it was more really a warehouse with a store at the no, front. Yeah, it was a warehouse and a store, but the store itself was pretty beautiful. Like I spent a bit of money on a nice fit out, you know, making a nice environment look quite sporty. A lot of the products we were selling at the time were like sporty, the kind of underwear that you could wear to the gym. Yeah, as opposed to just being sporty for a look. That's right. No, it was both. It was, um, yeah, people who at the time it was like people wanted to look sporty. Activewear was just taking off as well. So underwear like we didn't sell boring undies like everything that we sold looked really interesting boring undies that's really a, a, a interesting phrase i've never thought of undies. i mean yeah. I, I just think of undies as a functional thing yeah um what does that mean not boring yeah look for us it's like you know you go to a myra or david jones and they'll have every kind of black navy gray white undies for us, we sell a lot more. Our niche is actually in other kinds of underwear that's different fabrics, different colors, different shapes. Um, you know, we have a niche. So, you know, we sell jock straps. You know, we sell thongs for men. Like we have a lot of specialized underwear that people can't find in the stores. They come to us. Um, but that side of things is actually a pretty decent sized business. You know, we ship out thousands of orders every week. As in specialised? Specialised, yeah, like just different undies that you won't find in department stores. Yeah, so like, I mean, uh, if you're right, if you go to, I mean, I don't know, I never really look for them, but if you go to David Jones, I can't imagine you can go and find a jock strap or a or a thong yeah, or whatever it is. Anymore, Perhaps it might have changed a little bit. If you do, it'd be sort of over in a corner somewhere yeah. or wherever. It's not on display. For us, we also sell enhancing underwear. So there are guys that have, you know, insecurities. They, you know, they want a bigger looking bulge or they want their bum to look better or their legs might be skinny. So a lot of the product that we sell actually enhances their body. So like- You mean like have padding in it, for example? Yeah, not just padding. It's actually just the shape of the pouch. You can actually like a really well-designed pair of underwear can can do wonders. It's like a it's like a magic bra, but for men, uh, <laughs> magic bra. Yeah. It's it's a bit like that. Yeah, like yeah. it does magic things for for people, and it actually helps their confidence a lot. I'm fucking intrigued. Like I've I've, I've never. I'll send you some. Yeah, send me some. <laughs> but like, well, well, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, but, but I can see our producer over here nodding because she's want to get a photo and put up on Instagram. <laughs> Not for her, but for, for Instagram. Her face says no. <laughs> she doesn't want to take the photo. That's what she said. But she'd love to put it up on Instagram. That's for sure. So no, but I don't. Understand, like, uh, and now we're, we're getting into some interesting yeah. stuff now. So, so you 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 stock and sell your standard yeah. standard stuff, but still not standard. It's standard for you, but not standard generally because yep. uh, it's colors, it's designs. Um, colors, print, shapes. G- give me an example of, of your standard, but not standard, if you know what I mean. Like, but what would we talking about? A leopard print? Or what are we talking about here? No, not even that dramatic. Like, I think for our customers, like, literally everything that we sell has been designed to enhance their bodies. So, like, that pair of underwear, it's not just uh, basic briefs. Like, 
it the cut of it is designed to enhance the pouch. It'll make your legs look better. Like it, the, the how does that happen? Like it explain because like I mean, you, you hire a designer who understands the male form, who can understand what little tweaks that they can make to actually you know make it look better, make you look better. Yeah, and and having a an item that can can do that is is pretty impressive. People will come for that if they know that that underwear makes them look awesome. They'll buy it. In terms of the design, yep. okay, is that is that your territory, or you you yeah, have? Look, in, I, you I have didn't have like a formal designer. Yeah, I, I have two designers who work yeah. for me. Yeah. So, but we work on collections together. So, um, for me, it will be like, okay, if we're gonna create a new collection, you know, we did a survey recently, like a year ago, on a new underwear collection that we're producing, like a, a new basics underwear collection, something that works for every body shape. So, we probably got about six or seven thousand responses from that. You know, they told us the kind of waistband that they wanted, the thickness of the waistband, how big the logo should be, the fabric, um, you know, just a lot of specifics, what's actually important to them. Could you share a couple of things with me? Like, like, for example, what did they say about the waistband? Yeah, like people don't like a big bulky waistband. They wanted something that was a thinner waistband. They don't want like a big bold logo. They literally just designed basic underwear. Like when you look at it, it just looks like plain black or white briefs. But the cut is what makes it. So for us, you know, we designed the pouch to be like a naturally enhancing pouch. So it doesn't look ridiculous. There's no padding, but it is super comfortable. Um, you know, the fabric is, it's like a cotton stretch. So people love the feeling of cotton, but cotton doesn't usually hold its shape. So if you put like elastane with it, a certain percentage um, makes it a little bit stretchier. So you get the feeling of cotton, but it keeps its shape because it's got a little bit of elastane in it. Yeah, so they don't get that sort of daggy fucking. Yeah, it's not going to be like saggy undies uh, that uh, lose uh, their shape. Oh, dad's yeah. crap. That they'll still look, look they'll fucked still up. They'll still look sexy rather yeah, yeah, yeah. than like. Well, it lasts better. Stay better in the original shape. Yeah, definitely. Stay in the original shape for a longer period of time. Yes. So it's sort of more sustainable. I don't like to use the word sustainable. It's probably not the right word, but um, it, it has a longer life. It does. In, a, in other words, it's makes it's it's more because there's nothing worse than seeing fucking daggy old fucking underwear yeah. hanging, hanging out. No one likes it. There's a shit look, <laughs> and but most guys just just jump into it like it's yeah. like it's like they think it's normal. Yeah, I think they're getting better though. That no, I feel like definitely people are more conscious of it now. Yeah, it's, underwear is becoming like an expression of people's identity. Is that right? Definitely, yeah. Like even when you see the footy players with their swimmers, they love their budgie smugglers. Like they're out there, they're loud and noisy. You know, swimmers. They wouldn't have worn those 20 years ago, but now they do because they love showing themselves. They love showing their identity. Um, they like, you know, seeing different um, prints that it's a bit of fun for them. Like I think people are actually playing with underwear and socks a lot more as well. That's another one. And socks? Socks as well, yeah. Like we don't sell – we sell socks, but from what I've seen with trends of other brands, like, you know, all the prints, you know, people love like a basic part of – your body that's almost hidden all the time, they still are selling a lot of printed socks. Um, and it's because people value that more because they can express themselves from something as small as a pair of socks or undies. They feel different. It's interesting. So in terms of your business, mm. how would you describe then what your product is? Yeah, look, we, we deliver clothing that make you look amazing. So people come to us for our shapes. They don't necessarily you know, come for, they can buy underwear anywhere. But for us, like I know our customers come to us because of what we're delivering, which is an experience, uh, a certain uh, level of quality that they expect from the product. And it's, it's a premium product. It's something that is, you know, elevated by the design, by the look and the feel of it. Um, and it's something that's well thought out. So I think we spend a lot of time like uh, talking to our customers whether it's in store or via surveys to to get that real world feedback because they basically give you the keys to success. If you can deliver a product to them that meets their requirements, you know, they've got no reason not to buy it. Do yep. you go out and let's sort of educate the, the population, so, education, so like at the moment we're going through a, a big transition in the business as well. I've just opened up a new store in Chapel Street, which is really visible. It's a beautiful store. So it's actually bringing in new people that we didn't have before that hadn't known about us just by now being on a high street location. So um, I think that is actually naturally bringing people in, even, you know, excluding the marketing side of things. 
Um, on the other hand, with our marketing, that has actually changed a lot um, over the last year. You know, we've just gone down the route of changing the business to what we've always been the last, you know, 13 years to where we see ourselves going into for the next, you know, 13 years, I hope. Um, so, you know, getting into a more sort of inclusive environment where we actually are showing everyone what our customers and our community actually look like, which is something our industry has not done. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, big underwear campaigns, it's usually like ripped bodies, you know, they look amazing and they're real, but not everyone can relate to that. So with our campaign, we actually showed real people, you know, real customers, you know, all body shapes, all sizes, all genders, um, which tied back into what we're doing as a business because people didn't know what we're actually doing where, you know, we've introduced inclusive sizing. So like double XL to double XS. So like people can actually find their shape when normally they're not that serviced. Um, and then I guess the marketing is definitely bringing in new people that didn't know about us before or couldn't relate to us before. Now they are. Now they're like, wow, who's this business? Like, what are they doing? Like, and like, I like this brand. I like its ethics. Um, so these are sort of the important things that I, I value. So I feel like if I value it, my customers will probably value that as well. Whether or not they're a customer now or not, that's like, I feel like that will lead the right people to us. We're going to go to the break. How demanding is an audience on you? It seems as though the audiences are controlling the brands. Workers control businesses. Um, there seems to be a, a global structural change occurring. Yeah. And I want to know if that's happening in your business. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. I'm back from the break and I'm here with Nick Eganitis and he's from um, Daily Jocks. Um, and we've just been talking about, you know, how he sort of basically converted a, a publishing business, which is, you know, his blogging, et cetera, through websites and Facebook into and earning advertising dollars into actually producing his own product and, of course, his own product, which is underwear and other things, swimwear and uh, – Festival wear. And festival wear. We, we, I want to talk about – it's a lot of people to service. It is. Well, we have – A lot of tastes to service. It's true. Like I feel like the story is a little bit like a choose-your-own-adventure. It can be as basic as you want or as complicated as you want. Um, so for me, like, uh, the part that I find really interesting is seeing how people wear our products. Like we have a store that caters to all genders and all sexualities. So, you know, you can have guys coming in, buying something for a party and you can have couples also buying something, but for a party at home, like it's uh, a place where people can come and explore. Did COVID have anything to do with it? This sort of, um, direction the business has gone in. Did you, did you cook any of this up during the COVID period? A lot of it I actually did. Like COVID was a really great time, I think, to reflect on who we are as a business, what we're doing and where I see my business going. Like, because I felt like I don't want to keep doing the same thing in five years time or 10 years time. Because you get bored? 
I'm bored, but also I feel like, I feel like our customers would get bored as well. Like it's, I feel like the concept of any business can be quite stale um, unless you change. And so for me, like from the start, I've always like, I haven't been scared to change the business and pivot if I needed to still in the same industry, but like, it's okay to make dramatic changes if you know, it's going in the right direction. And if that's where the flow of energy is taking you, I think that's important that if it's easy and it's working, well, you know, you're on the right path. So look, I I guess during COVID, like one of the important things that I learned as a lesson was, you know, I had two stores, both had to close with lockdowns. It pushed our customers online, which was awesome because we've spent the last couple of years investing in our SEO, investing in our paid search, investing in our online channels to be ready for something like that. Obviously we couldn't plan for it, but it was it was uh, positive for us when everyone starts shopping online, even with the stores closed. Um, but that being said, during lockdowns as well, like I realized like I want to take my business to the next level. And so I feel like I can't just sort of sit on the sidelines. Do you mean in terms of volume? Just, I wanted to grow my business. I wanted a bigger business. Um, that was my intention was to, to grow my business bigger than it is now. Like I currently employ 15 people. Um, I want to have a business that has hundreds of people, like, because I feel like I'm capable of doing that. But to get to that, you obviously need to provide a, a service or a product that can help you get to that. So for me, I felt like being more involved in the community that we operate in. So for us, we've always operated in the queer community. Like um, they've always supported us. Queer being in the broader sense of the word. Yeah. In, in, the, the queer including everything. That's right. Yep. Yeah. LGBTIQ+, yeah. Yep. and their friends and allies. Yep. So we were already in that space. Would you say that is your space, but you also sell to straight community as well? You know what? That was the space that we started in, but now like it's definitely changing. Like it's 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 everyone really like for people that just want to come and explore their their sexuality through wearing underwear or or other products that we sell um we don't just target you know the queer community like we're literally it's i feel like we're a super progressive retailer that's out there now especially you know seeing the store in chapel street that's just opened up is a really beautiful space um so it doesn't matter if you're interested in the product or not the store itself is actually really beautiful so i feel like that's going to bring people in as well just, just out of curiosity just out of curiosity what, what the fuck is this store i'm gonna go and have a look <laughs> yeah you know i mean that that yeah. type of thing that's yeah, right you're walking yeah. by it's a beautiful you know. design store you're like what what is this like it looks it looks awesome it's a great space in the best part of chapel street so i'm really proud of it yeah so so in, in terms of during the COVID period yeah what concepts did you Look, produce? Our campaign was something. So we recently uh, did our own big campaign, which for me, I always used, um, I used the excuse of us not having our own products, not to produce our own photography. But after two years of COVID, we actually produce most of our products. 80% of the products we sell in store, we manufacture ourselves, which is about 400 products. And so- You got 400 SKUs. Yeah, 400 SKUs. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. So- um, you know, I wanted to have a campaign that actually highlights who we are as a business. Um, and part of that was actually highlighting the the community that we operate in, like showing our customers in the world what, what they all look like because they don't all have ripped abs. There's a lot of different parts of the community which aren't shown. Like we had, you know, we had two trans people in our campaign. We had people of different abilities, backgrounds, sexualities, genders, like it was a pretty beautiful campaign that I was really proud of that I felt like no one in my industry has has done um, and especially not one that's, you know, leading more towards men. Like, as I said before, men are often forgotten in the retail space, but they're actually a pretty powerful cohort as well, um, as is the queer community. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that if you are aligning yourself to their values and ethics, you know, there's a lot that can make it worthwhile for you. So I think uh, for me, it was, you know, bringing my ethics out into the open where I'm like, this is what's important for me. And I think that's what's going to be important for my customers. Obviously you've got a team, but yep. how do you actually really understand through research, et cetera, yep. the queer community? Because it's a broad community. I mean, it's pretty broad. It, like it, I think you've got 400 excuse for a start. Yeah. Like, how, do you, how do you get your head around that? Like um, Educating yourself, go out 
talk to people. Like I still work in, during Mardi Gras, I work in my store. Like I'm literally there chatting to customers. I'm on the cash register. Like I will do things because I want to interact with my customers, but also see how they interact with my product. That feedback that you get from that real world experience is priceless. Like you won't get that from any surveys where you see how people are shopping for your product or if there's a problem with the product, you can see it immediately and you can fix it. So for me, it's actually immersing myself, not just in different areas of my business, but also in the different parts of the queer community. Like I'll go to all the parties. Like I I love it. I enjoy it. I love seeing all the weird and wonderful stuff. I love talking to people. I like seeing what they're wearing to these events. Like Mardi Gras is a huge, huge festival. Like the main party is like 10,000 people go. So it has a big influence. And most of those people are wearing products that they've bought from my store. So for me, like I know I'm doing something right when I can see that. And it's a pretty, like a pretty powerful moment for me when I go to Mardi Gras and all I'm seeing is my product everywhere. Um, and that's just Mardi Gras. There's a lot more festivals around the world that our products are at because we ship internationally and half my sales go uh, to the US. So like it's actually a global concept. You just said quite a lot of people at these parties mm. may well be wearing your stuff. Yes. Is it the theatre of what you produce is why they wear it? Well, I mean, what, what's, explain. Like why are they buying? What, yeah, no, what, no, what is it from their point of view? Yeah encourages them to buy your stuff is it that does we, your stuff provide better theater than anything else for example I think so like we have we have the best product number one um, but what does that mean I, i'm trying to get yeah, to the look, bottom of that yeah sure it makes them look good we have products that let them be themselves and to show people who they are you know we can have products that are bright and colorful and we can have products that are really sexy and moody so it just depends what vibe they're going for our products let them you know showcase that vibe and do you get them then to um, post something up on their Instagram, et cetera? People will post anyway. anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll post regardless. And, you know, you can see the brand on some of the products. So, but I think uh, what we've done in the community has become the go-to destination. So they know, they know that they can come to us and they'll find something, you know, for these events and they know they'll look good. I have a store on Oxford Street in um, Darlinghurst. So I know like we're in the area for them to go to. So they know that they can come to us. Um, for that specialty service, for the product that makes them look good. Once again, enhancing their bodies as well. Like, especially the queer community, there's a lot of like body dysmorphia issues and insecurities. So we actually serve a product that helps them with that, where they're like, okay, I feel good wearing this product. Um, and so that's the product that we provide is something that makes them feel good. So give me an example. So trans, female to male. Yep. Um, that individual comes to your yep. your store in Oxford Street down the road here yep. and says, um, I'm looking, I'm going to a, a festival or I'm yep. going to a fetish party. Yep. I, I need to guess, get geared yep. up. What, what, would, what would they be getting for that individual? Sure. So look, if they're going to a festival, they might be buying a harness. Um, so a harness is like a strap that goes across your body um, and for, usually it's made from elastic. So usually that will enhance their body it will showcase an area that you know they're probably really proud of because they've gone through a really hard journey so they want to show themselves off and they want to look good at doing that um you know we've got shorts um you know we have a lot of different products that will suit all body shapes and genders as well which that's been a big part of our um transition over the last year is actually having specific products that enhance everybody not just the male form but also the, the female form as well. And you, femme bodies um, and mass bodies are, are very different, but we have products that suit both. Um, so they'll come to us, you know, for that specific, they might have an idea of a look in mind already. We'll just guide them to the right products that will work for them. Can you get fucking brain damage running this business? Like trying to, trying to, <laughs> no, no, trying to, no, but you know what I mean by, because yeah. there's so many demands. Yeah. Not demands, but it's such a broad, yet fractured market. Yeah. There's, you know, so, there's so many uh, wish lists yeah. about how someone want to, wants to yeah. look. I mean, we're not talking about just one community. We're talking about like a shitload of different yeah. communities yeah. and then sub-communities below that. Yeah. Um, at what point do you get to the stage where you say, fuck, I, I just can't do any more. Like I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop here. I've satisfied 90% of the yeah. of the total audience. Yeah. I can't do 100% or do you try to chase that 100% to satisfy? I'm aiming for it. I'm aiming for it. Like uh, 
the trans market is super underserviced, you know, like their options at the moment for underwear are pretty basic. So, you know, we want to have underwear, uh, we want to have binders and packers, but that look good. Um, what's a packer? A packer is a type of underwear for someone who, uh, is transitioning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, to give them that effect. Yeah. To give them the effect. Give them the effect of where they want to end up. That's right. Yep. And so, um, you know, having specific underwear that suit their body shape, like no one's really designed that in a, a way that actually looks good, that makes them feel good, that doesn't look like, you know, hospital underwear. Like that's <laughs> hospital that, underwear. Yeah. And yeah, most yeah. of them do look like that. And they don't want to be wearing hospital, you know, clothing. Yeah. Yeah. They want to feel good. They want to feel sexy. Like that's, that's why they would come to us is because they want to feel good in their body that, you know, that they've had a big journey to get to. So we want to give them the tools to make them feel good as well. Is the market big enough though for you to have these SKUs, different SKUs to, to make it sort of make sense in terms of your pricing position? So, I mean, you know, like if you're making 200 or 50, yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of money to make 50. Yeah. You've got to price them either really high, yep. you price yourself out of the market or alternatively you've got to price them at a price that these people can afford. Yeah. What that is affordable yep. or makes sense, which means you might not make as might, might not make much money. How do you work all that process throughout in terms of pricing? Yeah. Look, pricing, it's, it comes down to how much other products are in the market. So we find out what our goal would be if we were to sell a product. Um, you know, we want to sell it at this price. Um, how much is it going to cost us to make? What's the potential for it? But for me, because I've always had in my mind, I wanted to be a global business, you know, as I said before, like, you know, more than half of our sales, are export sales, like there's a big market out there. So if you can make the best underwear for trans people, a global market would be a huge market, even if it's a small percentage of it. And especially if they're underserviced, that's the opportunity. That's where I see the opportunity. And I see that's our strength being a niche retailer, make niche products, but on scale if you can. And so because I have my experience from making our products now, this category, I feel like it's a natural progression for us. Like we already have customers who are trans um, that are making do with what we have. What if we actually give them a product that is the best product for their category? Why wouldn't they buy it from us? Like we're, we're doing the right things for them. So even if we make them feel good, they would tell people. So, and that's what I feel is our strength is our community and people telling each other, you know, where to buy, what to get, you know, where, where's all the best, the best place to buy what they need. So in terms of your export, you said sort of 50% is of your product yeah. is exported. Well, 50% goes to the US. Into the US. How important, and it may not be important at all, but yeah. um, how important is the Aussie provenance? In other words, it's come from Australia um, you know, like given Australia's um, relevance in the world in terms of you know, the queer community yep. generally or, or the perception of it, yep. whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter, it's a perception. Yep. <laughs> um, and also the provenance of the quality of materials, the provenance of, you know, it's probably not interfered with, it probably doesn't have bad chemicals in it, yep. whatever. Yep. How important is that Australian-made banner to you globally? Um, well, look. Or not at all? At the moment, not at all. Like most most customers online always assume we're a big American retailer. Really? Yeah, because we sell we sell multi-brands, but we've always been a global retailer. We ship everywhere in the world. Up until recently, shipping was free for every order. Um, with COVID, obviously shipping costs have gone up, so that's not something we could continue. But at the same time, like we've always acted as a global retailer. So if you live here or if you live in New York or the UK, like you'll get the same service. And that was something that I think is probably more valuable to people is uh, an expectation of the level of service and quality of products. Um, but that being said, I think lately, like we're trying to go down that route of showing them, no, we're an Australian based retailer. Yes, we ship around the world, but you know, we have stores in Australia, we have, you know, our photo shoots are in Australia, everything's designed in Australia. So I think people now will start to realise as we uh, are more vocal and more visible in the community that who we are as an Australian retailer, um, we're actually doing some really great stuff. Like I haven't travelled around the world to see similar stores to mine and, you know, might be biased, but like when you're looking yeah, at the sure store level, sure you should be, you should be biased. <laughs> my store is really beautiful and I'm proud of it. And I haven't seen stores similar to what we're doing overseas. 
which could explain why our online sales for our international is so strong because they can't find what they want um, locally. So they're finding it online through us. Is there any emerging uh, zones or regions around the world that all of a sudden starting to buy your stuff that never sort of participated before? You said a lot comes out of the US and you yep. mentioned the UK, but, you know, we're getting something like Kazakhstan, um, queer community or something, something unusual what? happening like that? The unusual one for that I always found really interesting was all the military bases that we shipped to. Like we shipped to a lot of American military bases. That's cool. Yeah, it's really interesting because you'd look at the address, you're like, how is this going to get to that location? But it does. Um, so, yeah, that was the most emerging one was all the military bases. Because it sort of world. makes sense. I mean, it makes sense because they're all wearing the same yeah, gear on the outside. Yeah, they access to stores. Like but they've the, all got military gear. Everyone's wearing the same stuff. Yeah. So they're saying, well, the, my point of difference is what I'm going to wear underneath. Yeah. And I was I was because uh, I was thinking to myself some um, – you know, some crazy shit like coming out of, uh, I don't know, China or something, all the Ch- Chinese people buying, you know, your, your stuff or where there's emerging queer communities in places which we would never thought about before, really. Um, to, to be fair, most of our sales online go to, not to big cities, they go to a lot of these random smaller towns and smaller communities that you don't expect to have a big community there. But it makes sense because they don't have access to stores like us. Yeah, yeah. So they're shopping online. So um, there's always going to be that element of the big countries and big cities. But I think for me, it was, yeah, seeing these random small towns, you know, and sometimes you look them up and you're like, wow, where the like, fuck is that? It's got 700 people that live there and this person yeah. is wearing my stuff. Like, it's pretty amazing. Like, yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. And now who are your competitors here? So I, I do know the Aussie bum guys. Yeah, of um, they're, they're, they're swimwear mostly, but yep. uh, well, they start off as swimwear. Yeah. I don't know if they probably um, have they gone into other territories. They probably have anyway. Um, who, who are your competitors here? Look, I don't have any direct competitors, but online there's hundreds. Is like, there, like not here though, they're from over. That's right. Yeah. A, a lot of them are, are brands, like individual brands that will make products similar to ours. Whereas we've always been a retailer that has now transitioned to become more of a brand. Um, but most of the brands that we sell, we design and manufacture those brands. So they have their own identities. You know, we have a sportswear brand called Helsinki Athletica, which is really fast growing for us. Um, and I have Elia Beachwear, which is a specific resort focused uh, brand for swimwear, great resort shorts, you know, things that you can go to Greece, you know, go to yeah. Mykonos and wear our product. Um, or you can go to a beach, you can go to Bali. Like, you know, we have great resort wear. So we've always kept our in-house brands as their own identity just so like they can be like, it's it's specific. Like, you know, that that is a great beachwear brand. That is a great sportswear brand. That is the, you know, festival brand. So I've kind of kept them all separate. So we still feel like a store that sell multi-brands, yet our brands are, company owned and, and did you bring your shit in like you, you, you bring some stuff in to show me no i didn't you didn't you seriously can you send some stuff <laughs> I'll into send it you a care no, but, no send some stuff because we'd love to be able to yeah, show definitely. it up put it up yeah, on our on, up on the on the videos it's definitely. pretty cool to look at that sort of yeah. stuff because i'm trying to conceptualize what, yeah. what it might look like because you've explained it well but it's narrative yeah. as opposed to you just said yourself before, before um you used to like going going into a store and touch and feel yeah and when you look at something in three dimensions, yep. it's much different to what your imagination might be supplying yes. you. Yes. It's even more importantly what it looks like on somebody yep. or particularly yourself, but yep. somebody else as well. I mean, yep. you're obviously your website and your your um, social media. So where are you playing in social media now? Like where are you getting – are you going through TikTok? Are you putting anything up on TikTok? No, we haven't started with TikTok. To be honest, social media doesn't really drive a large percentage of our sales. Um our sales are primarily driven through our database um, and paid ads. So for me, like Instagram actually accounts for less than 5% of our sales, might even be less. Um, so for me, while we post on social media, it doesn't actually bring bring in the money. Yeah. So for me, I've always believed in having your own database. So having your own email database, your own uh, SMS database. Those are the channels for me that drive the most sales. Um and then having all your paid media uh, set up. So having, you know, retargeting ads on socials, you've got Google ads, you know, you've got your Facebook ads, all of our paid ads is what drives our sales. And then also the database. 
So social media is just a way for us to highlight what we have, but that doesn't actually drive the sales. It's more showcasing. That's right. Yeah. So where to from here, Nick? Like what are you going to do with the business? Like, I mean, apart from keep growing, you know, keep servicing various new new emerging communities, um, continue to service the community you've always served. Yeah. Um, building up your database yep. um, and, and making sure that, you know, you continue to look after those individuals. But where to from here? I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring in a partner? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to bring in investors? Are you going to listen on the stock exchange? What's your plan? Or do you Look, not have one? Just keep going as you I are. don't have a huge plan besides I'm going to go with the flow of energy. Like there's definitely been more interest in people who have been messaging to say, I'd love to open a local store. Um, that's something I'd be open to exploring um, in the future now that we've got a new flagship location. I really want to focus on that and to see how that concept could potentially work with additional stores. Um, but for me, like my passion is to create a purposeful business. You know, I want a business that improves communities. Um, I never thought I could have an impact in a com- in my community, but now as I'm seeing that I can actually do some really great fucking things yeah. like because I know my customers and I know what's important for them and I know what I'm capable of and I know what my team's capable of. So I'm actually excited to, you know, build up a bigger purposeful business that has a mission to improve the communities that we operate in. You know, the side effect is selling products, but really I feel like we can do great things without, um, you know, without having any big grand plans. I can actually do great things and the big things will happen. What does mom and dad think? He's the kid who was working in the coffee yeah, look, shop when he was a kid. I, I think they had doubts when I started the business. Um, I know they definitely did. So now, like, they love it. They they love it. I think it's opened their mind, you know, to all the different products out there, you know, our customers. Like, I think they're, they're super proud. Like, and I actually just, I love actually seeing their faces when I show them what else we're doing. Um, so parties is something that's a new side of the business that we've started doing. We had the official underwear party of Mardi Gras um, this year. Um, so to build it up to become our own festival, you know, understanding our customers, showing them how to how we want to party with them um, is actually something that's really exciting. What, what is that? Explain that. Is yeah, that so we've, we started our own party. Um, yeah, yeah. It's called Homo uh, and it's a, a super inclusive uh, party that we have. But at the Mardi Gras? Yeah, we had it as Mardi part Gras. of Mardi Gras. That's right. Yeah. So we had that as the official underwear party for Mardi Gras. There was thousands of people there. Um, but I've we're about to do our third party in Melbourne now. So, so you're not just waiting for Mardi Gras to do it. You no, just, no. Yeah, we started. You roll them out a couple yeah, times. Yeah, we started a year ago. Um, so the goal is to build that into like an experience um, to uh, showcase, you know, queer performers and and awesome DJs and an environment that is, you know, it's a safe space for everyone that they can come and like, you know, enjoy themselves. But it's also a show. It is a show, you're, yeah. You're putting on a show. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, Entertainment is. That's right. So we've got like amazing like burlesque performers, uh, you know, Vogue performers, like just different aspects of the community, which often you don't actually see them. Like it's not just about having a beefcake on stage. Like people want to see like talent and like, we can bring in awesome talent that, you know, have worked all their lives uh, to perform. Um, so highlighting that is actually really exciting for us because that's getting really good traction. It's also a good a good sort of sponsorship, so to speak. Yeah, it's a, it's a, mean, it's a great collab between yeah, my yeah. retail store and a party. It makes sense because yeah, yeah. they're wearing our product. So it's actually great because it's bringing in people who are buying our product to wear to parties that we're hosting. You, you called it the homo party, but yes. why did you call it uh, after your own business name? Why did you uh, choose a different like name? We're a retail store. So why would you go to a retail store party? Like it's yeah. like we have in-store events and that's different, but I wanted homo to have its own identity as well. Um, Cause I feel like if you have everything under the same name, it's probably would restrict you. Whereas homo is our party brand. So, um, and hopefully will be a festival brand that we can build up and take elsewhere. That's pretty cool. So Nick, we ran out of time, but so, um, and conscious of everybody's time. So I always give her an opportunity to ask me a question. Do you have a question for me? Um, yeah. What's your, you know, three tips for building a successful business? Three. Just three. I, I don't think you three need any tips. I don't think you need any tips for me, but, uh, um, well, I, I guess, um, the very first thing is, which is what I was trying to dig into earlier and you, you, you helped me out on it, is sort of making sure that 
whatever it is you're selling, it's proprietor, understand the experience that the consumer wants. So what is the experience as opposed to just the description in your case of, you know, of what the undies are like, yep. as both the fabric, color, whatever, but what's the experience they're trying to get from it? I think you've probably pretty much nailed, you've got a variety of experiences, but you've pretty yep. much nailed your experiences. Um, I, I think the the second thing is, which I think is really important, is that you need to consider what your exit is to have a successful business. You need to consider what your exit is, not because you want to make an exit. Um, you might not want to make an exit. You might want to stay in this business forever to the day you die, um, which is sort of a bit of that old Greek thing, by the way. <laughs> Never sell. I don't want that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but but but, it might, but 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 you need to know what you, you need to know what the exit alternatives are and work towards those alternatives. Not any one of them, but all of them. Um, in the event that you want to exit, mm. um, it's just a good discipline to have. So if you say, I want to exit in 10 years time and the, the obvious question is, well, how do you want to exit? I want to sell. Uh, okay, how much do you want to sell for is the obvious question. Um, I want to sell for, you know, half a billion dollars. Well, okay, you want to do that in 10 years time. How do you make your business worth half a billion dollars in 10 years time starting today? Mm. So I think that's a really important discipline to have in, in an economic sense as part of the economics of the business as opposed to everything else, the economics of the business. The final one, I think this is a really important one, is something you probably learned working in your, your parents' shop is unfortunately um, there is no substitute for hard work. But if you love what you're doing, you'll work hard. Mm. You know, you, you probably couldn't see yourself working in your parents' place seven days a week yeah, like they did. Yeah, because they did it because they had to. Yeah. Um, you had a probably a bit more choice in your life, but you probably still are working around that sort of period, seven days a week, but you'd love what you're doing. Mm. So it's not such a big deal. Mm. So if you love what you're doing, you can put in seven days a week and you're not feeling like you're begrudgingly doing it. It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. It is, but it isn't. You know I mean? You can always resurrect yourself and say, oh, fuck, it's okay. I'm doing this because I love it. Yeah. And, you know, you said it earlier on, I really feel like I'm helping our communities and helping our people. Like you, there's something of value there more more than just the bottom line. In addition to the bottom line, yep. you've got to have a bottom line. You've got to have an addition to that to make it work hard, to make it become successful. So I think it's those three things. Okay. Th those three things, understanding the experience, um, uh, you know, that, but I think that's really important. Um, but being able to have something, uh, I don't want to say of a higher order, but, you know, adding value to something that you really love doing makes you, allows you to work really hard. The purpose really. Yeah, like. but it's sort of your personal purpose yeah. as opposed to the purpose of your customer. Yeah. Your personal purpose, you know, I'm doing something here that's really important to me. I think that's uh, quite a, a critical piece. Um and I mean, for me, just listening to you today, though, Nick, you, you sound like you may not have articulated it the way I just did, but you've, I think you've got those three things plus other things, which is probably the reason why you're so successful at the moment. So well done. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting, mind-blowingly interesting niche yeah, from, from my point of view <laughs> that is part of the way the world is becoming. In other words, um, Inclusion is just, it's a, to be honest, it's an overused word. It, it means a whole lot of different things. Um, but it's just recognition of the fact that not everybody's the same. Mm. And then who's out there catering for those people? Me. You're one of them. Yeah. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a great job. Well done. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a Mentored Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water 
it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 